Father, we're just so grateful today as we open up your word. We just invite you to speak to us. Lord, thank you for being a good father to us. Thank you for loving us right where we are. Thank you for walking with us every step of the way. Thank you for placing us in a community of people that love each other. Now walk with us in the days ahead and may your word be this lamp to our feet and light to our path, instructing every way we should go. God, we just invite you to speak to us and we pray that your word would refine us, would challenge us, would mold us, would move us and make us. Lord, thank you ultimately for your grace that this instruction is in our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, thank you so much for joining us today. First off, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. There's a couple things that I'm, I'm very encouraged about, just, just as I think about our church and as I think about all the life groups that are meeting and, and enjoying service together. I mean, I think about the young dads. We have a lot of young families at West Hills. And, and dads, I'm, I'm just thankful to walk life with you. In our life group, I'm pretty sure we have like 16 kids for five families. And, and our dads are just killing it. And uh, just learning along the way and just walking with young fathers who challenge me to be a better father. I'm just thankful for my life group, my group of guys that I walk life with. And I'm, I'm also thankful uh, for, for the seasoned fathers that actually attend West Hills. We have so many dads who have been there, done that, but they walk with such grace uh, to all of our other dads and our other young men uh, in our church. And I'm just thankful for all the dads at West Hills and so thankful for how you model the life of Jesus and, and what it looks like to shepherd and love your families well. So I just say to all the dads at West Hills, thanks for, thanks for being on the journey together. Man, thanks for uh, putting the word into practice. And, and thank you in these days uh, for pressing in to some things that are challenging. Um, thanks for being dads. And uh, we're just thankful to uh, be here on this special day. Also, uh, I want us to remember next week, do not forget this. We're going to get back together. Let's get back together. Let's throw a party. Let's celebrate a little bit. We've missed you guys and we look forward to hanging a little bit. But here's the plan. Next week, we're not going to meet at the school at West Hills Elementary School. We, we won't be able to, if you want to do social distance, we can't fit in that gym. So what we need to do, we need to move space. We want to do next week at 4 p.m. Put it on your calendar, 4 p.m. We want to see you there. We're going to meet at North Star Church. That's on Cheryl Boulevard. You can see the address right here. Uh, put that in your calendar and let's meet there next week, 4 p.m. We can't wait to uh, talk about the vision and direction that we believe that God's calling our church in these days. We want to see you there, and uh, we're going to gather all of our life groups. And remember, we're going to do that on the last week of each month through the summer. And then uh, our intention is to begin uh, doing weekly gatherings as fall takes place in, in after August. So put that on your calendar next week, 4 p.m. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. We're going to celebrate and throw a party. Hey, you want to jump in the Word? Last week, we talked about hitting the streets. We talked about the early church and how they were putting the gospel into practice and people's lives were being transformed. Now today, we want to see even further. We see two guys putting this word into practice. Check this out. If you've got your Bible, be with me in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says this. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple... A man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, 
so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And as I think about this, the first thing that really catches my, my, my attention in this passage is, do you know what Peter and John left their house that day thinking? Verse 1 says it all. They left their house thinking, we're headed to a prayer service. A 3 o'clock prayer service. This was their expectation. But their expectations were shattered because of an event in their life. A man asked them a question. What do you do when your day has an unexpected shift, an unexpected change? I don't know about you, but lately, I feel like every day is an unsure day. I don't know what we're going to encounter. I don't know what to expect. But what do you do when unexpected things happen? The natural me? That's my time of freak-out mode. If you're a control freak and you begin to lose control of the situation, it can cause fear or anxiety. But we see a very different picture in Peter and John. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I love the word perfect peace because perfect implies complete Full peace to the one whose mind has stayed on him, whose hope is in him, whose trust. That word simply means rest. So my expectation is not really my circumstance, but my expectation is the Lord. That person is kept in perfect peace. Does that describe you? doesn't always describe me. But the passage in the Bible uh, that actually addresses two people who've actually lost peace in their relationship. Maybe you've lost peace in a circumstance, but what about relationships? Maybe you don't have peace in a relationship today. If you don't, then you're not alone. Actually, it was in the early church as well. We find this passage as a guy named Paul. He speaks out to two people who are in conflict. They're not in relational peace. And we find his information, we find his encouragement to these two people in chapter 4 of Philippians. And do you know what he says first? He says, listen, ladies. It's two ladies, by the way. And he says, listen, ladies. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He says it twice. If somebody says something twice, it's really important. But Paul says, hey, listen, don't miss this. Ladies, you're really focused on something that's a challenge in your life. But I want you to focus on this. Rejoice always. Sounds pretty familiar to Isaiah, whose mind is stayed. And he's pointing them to consistency. What is he pointing them to be consistent about? Rejoicing. But Jay, their circumstance is not rejoice worthy. But he doesn't say rejoice in that circumstance. Rejoice because you have a problem. What he says is rejoice in the Lord. So what is he pointing their attention, their focus back to? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Listen, I want you to remember this. The biggest issue in your life will control your life. The biggest issue in your life will control your life. And the gospel for us, it must remain as the biggest issue for us. You say, Jay, but you don't know what he did. Jay, you don't know what she did. 
And my question is, do you know what Jesus did? Do you know? And I'm not just speaking to you. I speak to me today. Do you know what Jesus did? And all of the things that are fighting for your attention, the issues that say, pay attention to this. This is really important. Do you know what Jesus did? Do you know what he did for you? Trusting in perfect peace as he went to the cross for you and for me, paying the penalty for the fact that I actually don't live in perfect peace. I actually don't believe perfect peace is found in him always. And it's that distrust, it's actually that sin nature within me that he, in perfect peace, goes to the cross and thinks of me and says, I know that he's missed the mark several times, but I'm going to pay the price so that he doesn't have to pay this because I love him. Perfect peace. Jesus is the one who keeps his mind perfectly fixed on his father and lives this perfect life for a guy who doesn't live in perfect peace so that perfect peace is offered to me, paid for me. It's the free gift of God. What good news is this? The good news is that perfect peace was earned. And the man who did its name was Jesus. And the truth is that I don't always live in perfect peace. But the perfect one of heaven named Jesus offers me his righteousness, his right doing. And in turn, pays for peace for me. Thank you, Jesus. That's what he did for you as well. And it's yours to receive today. And my prayer is that even as we unpack this this scripture, uh, that it would become a bigger deal to us. It would become the biggest issue in our life is that he did something that we could never do. This is a big deal. This is big news. But Paul continues in his encouragement. And Paul continues after he says, rejoice, rejoice always in what the Lord has done. Then he tells them a specific thing. He says, hey, listen, keep your mind focused. And he says in verse 8, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about constantly what is actually worthy of praise. Think about the thing that you're actually called to rejoice in, friend. And if you don't know that, then I encourage you, would you reach out to us? We'd love to walk you into the truth of of what can actually bring praise and peace into your life. But no matter what came the way of Peter and John that day, their plans got thrown all out of whack. But they were stayed in perfect peace because the thing that they knew was that their father was actually in charge. Jesus was actually in control. And they were sent into this situation. They thought they were going to a prayer meeting, but they were just fine with their plans being shifted a little bit. This man, he ended up asking for help. Hey, give me some money. I need some money. You see, this man knew that he had a need, and it was a truth. Listen, by the way, this guy had a a physical need, and he knew he had a truth. Meet my need, friend. Peter and John, looking at him in the face, recognized that he thought he had a need, But they knew a truth that he didn't know. They knew something that he didn't. 
They knew something that could actually surpass his expectation. And so they offered that to him. In these days, we must see beyond what others are saying. Specific example, and in this, some of you might uh, click, the, click the button off, and that's fine. But church, I hear the numbers. Everybody's throwing out stats and numbers. And on a day like Father's Day, I think this is, this is very important. As we deal with race issues and as we deal with all of the different issues that are rising today, I hear uh, the greatest problem uh, in our black homes is fatherlessness. And the stats prove it. And church, before you put that bullet in your gun, I want us to first go to James Chapter 1, verse 27, that says religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Listen, I want, to, I want us to all caution, but as that bullet is put into the gun to fire that shot, because shots are getting fired all over the place. And as the church, as we, instead of looking at these issues through the eyes of the world, we look at them through the lens of the gospel that calls us to actually step into the mess, to step into the issue. And as those shots are fired, my prayer is that we would, before we load our gun, that we would step in the line of that fire and that we would take that bullet to heart And we would really consider what the scripture, what the truth, the ultimate truth actually invites us into. We have actually been invited into that space of our city. If that number is true, if the stat is true, then it's not a bullet that we will fire from our gun. It's one that we will take to heart because our calling is actually to step into this space. And if that exists in our city, then we should take it as a great offense to us because it's on us. It's our responsibility. And it is not another person's responsibility. The problem is me. Do you remember two weeks ago? The problem is first me. So before we fire a shot, let's know the truth. And let's step in the way of the bullet. It's me. What's the call for me today? And I want to encourage us as the church that nothing can take the place of the power of God at work within us, his children. It's about presence, not just policy. We were called as the manifestation of God, the hands and feet of Jesus to be present in our world, that they might know and see him. We are the experience of Jesus. We don't just come with words, but we come with a hand. That's what I love about this picture because Peter and John, they go to this guy who's in need and he says, I got this need. And they speak this blessing over his life, but they don't just speak words. You know what they do? They reach their hand down, they grab his and they lift him up. We see this as as the lifestyle of the church. And as 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 the church in these days steps off of their stage and into a table, 
I believe that we're going to see reconciliation. I believe that we're actually going to be agents of change in this world. When policy doesn't change the behavior, doesn't change the affection of the heart. Because as we look at the news and we watch our cities burn, I believe that this is just simply a picture of what was in the heart already. It's just coming to light. Praise the Lord. Now it's all out in the open. Now what do we do? We don't have to pretend anymore. We see the problem. But do you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to load a gun and fire. We're going to step in the middle of it. And we're going to meet people right where they are. And we're going to own our responsibility as Jesus people to step in and meet those needs for people. We're going to be the ones who don't just write policy. We're going to step into lives. This, this story continues in Acts 3, verses 11 and 12, as this man receives healing. And he's, it says he's clinging to Peter and John, and all the people, utterly astounded, ran together. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Listen, listen church, I just want to speak to the church for a second. The system of this world survives on results. We figure out a way to get the most done with the least amount of effort. We call it efficiency. We say work smarter, not harder. So we do the thing that makes the most sense in our minds to get the most done. But John and Peter, they didn't set out to get a crowd that day. They just set out to do what Jesus did and the results followed. Stop trying to fix a system with a policy before you personally are present. That day, Peter and John, they thought they were going to a prayer meeting, but they ended up reaching an entire city. Peter and John's roadblocks for the day became the blessing when their entire trust wasn't in their own efforts, their power, their position, their strategy, or even, listen, even their godliness but in the presence of God that went with them. It was a promise. See, it was guaranteed to them. So they had an expectation. They actually rested knowing that the presence went with them. It wasn't on them. This is the good news through the gospel that's actually lived out for us. You see, the truth of the gospel is this. As we repent, understand, most people try to live in repentance to change their kind of behavior. But the truth of the gospel is that repentance is, would you turn your belief and actually rest and trust in what Jesus did? That's actually the power that transforms your behavior. And it sends you into your day expectant because guess what? Do you know it's not on you, but it's on the presence that's in you? You take presence. Now, wherever you go, you bring the presence of God. It's freedom. Come on now. And now, so when you enter the street, it don't matter if you talk to one, if you talk to none, if you pray, you bring the presence of God. And everywhere you go, you might not see the result. You might not know what happens on the other side, but God is using you right where you were sent. This is such good news. And we can rest in the fact that the presence goes with us in our presence. And today, did you know today that God offers a time of refreshment to you? The time of refreshment is available. Perfect peace to those whose minds are stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
And today, Father's Day, may be a day that isn't a day of peace. Or maybe it is. But maybe yesterday wasn't. Maybe you're looking down a couple days from now and you're thinking, man, I got some tough things coming my way. But Jesus told the story of a young man who reached a point in his life where he was done. Nowhere to go. No peace. Kind of got to the end of himself. Not feeling peaceful at all. And he thought to himself, maybe, just maybe, I could go home to my dad. And maybe, just maybe, he would have me not as his son, but maybe I could just go be a servant for him. You see, he had a felt need and he thought his dad might be able to meet it. And as the scripture says that he was far way off from his dad, you know what his dad did? His dad ran to him because he was waiting to see him. Ran to where he was and he hugged him. And as his son tried to get out his words, Dad, I'm here just to be a servant. He said, hey, listen, listen, you're my son. And I'm happy to see you today. And he says, quick, everybody, let's throw a party. My son's here. He's not my servant. He's my son. This is the peace that's available through Jesus. This is what Jesus told. This is the story that Jesus told about his father's response to anybody who would say, hey, listen, I'm not finding peace in the world. I need peace, and I'm coming to the one where I know that I'm going to get it. I'm coming back to dad's house. And maybe you feel like you can't be a son, but you just need to be a servant. Even Peter and John said, why do you look at me as if it's my godliness that made this guy walk? I don't know about you, but if if I pray for somebody and they just stand up and they start walking, I'm thinking, I'm going to, I'm pretty good, you know? But what they were very aware of is that the blessing of peace that had been extended to them was not earned by them. It was the favor of Almighty God in the person of Jesus. Do you know that power and that presence and that peace is still available to you today? Would you step into this fact that your Father waits for you? How do you need to trust him today? How do you need to come back home? How do you need to shift maybe your attention, your thought to the things that really matter, that are praiseworthy, that are right, that are true? Maybe what you're focusing on today seems very right. But the invitation today is, would you come to the Father, the good, good Father, who runs to you right where you are, will meet you right in the middle of your mess. And he'll offer peace, not just invite you to be a servant, but welcome you as a son or a daughter. You're his. And he paid the price for that to be possible. Right where you are, I just want to invite you, as this song begins to play, would you contemplate, how do you need to begin turning back to the Father? In what way do you need to shift your attention? Would you just have a moment right where you are, and would you just begin to ask the Lord, show me. God, I want to shift my attention back to you. I want to think on the things that are truly praiseworthy. As you think about the Father, see that picture. As he doesn't just wait for you to walk all the way home. He runs to you the second you decide to begin to come back to him. Know that this truth is available for you. And it trumps every other truth. It exceeds every possibility. And I believe he'll meet you right there where you are. Let's have a time with him. You're more real than the 
Oh 